Hi, it's September 8, 2017. It's the Room Now Week in Review, and I'm Dr. Jack Cush, executive editor of RoomNow.com. Bad news this week about opioids. Does that not ever stop? Um, surprising, shocking news about fibromyalgia, the inflammatory disorder. And do rheumatologists pay lip service to ACR ULAR criteria, or do they really mean something? At the top of the news, we have a report uh, of a study of 192 patients with chronic fatigue syndrome. You know, that's the uh, MECFS, the myalgic encephalitis chronic fatigue syndrome story. And they assayed a large number of them and also a large number of controls looking at cytokine production by these people um, using sera and uh, and they found a surprising number of pro-inflammatory cytokines being upregulated in patients with uh, chronic fatigue syndrome. Now, again, none of us think of this as a inflammatory disorder, yet they find high TGF-beta levels, low resistant levels, and all in all, 17 cytokines that were elevated uh, and may indicate some degree of inflammation, if not immunologic activation. This includes four or five different chemokines, IL-4, IL-5, IL-7, IL-13, IL-17F, a number of growth factors, including GCSF and GMCSF. Again, what it means um, and uh, the, showing that these correlate to some degree with activity is a bit surprising. So, um, you know, maybe it would be good for rheumatology to learn that fibromyalgia isn't just a simple pain disorder or pain amplification disorder and may have alternative approaches because Lord knows we need one. A number of studies actually looked at methotrexate and methotrexate dosing. Uh, so specifically between 2004 and 2014, the use of methotrexate in biologics rose substantially. Methotrexate from 40 to 64%, biologics from 2% to over 24% in this particular cohort, 27%. But during that same period, the rate of orthopedic surgery of the hip and knee declined significantly, dropping from... 72 to 51 per 1,000 patient years, um, suggesting that more effective therapy is leading to a shift in cost away from hospitalizations and surgeries and towards more expensive biologic and combination therapies. Another study about methotrexate dosing looked at patients in a large cohort and those who achieved optimal dosing. And optimal dosing was defined as being on 10 milligrams of methotrexate per week within three months of presentation. These are early RA patients, by the way. And then at six months, being on 20 milligrams per week, unless they had a contraindication. And what they did show that those who had optimal dosing did have, as you would expect, significant improvement in clinical and functional parameters, but no improvement in radiographic parameters, suggesting that, again, maybe we do need more than just methotrexate alone, the age-old question. A study of 230 consecutive SLE patients in a nephrology journal looked at the comparative value of protein to creatinine ratios, PCR, and 24-hour urine collections for protein uh, in lupus patients. They followed these patients serially, and they basically showed uh, that of the 95 patients who had, an had both of these abnormal at the outset, over time, um, the protein to creatinine ratio was not a good surrogate. In fact, it was... Uh, it said insufficient in its accuracy compared to the 24-hour uh, protein assessment. So uh, I don't know how, I don't rely on that in my practice, but I know some people do um, spot 
protein creatinine ratios as a measure. I think it's a quick and dirty, but I don't think it's accurate. Uh, and that and a study would, would sort of back that up. Um, claims data looked at RA and the incidence of RA over a 10-year period and found RA to be slightly increased in this 10-year period, affecting between 1.28 and 1.36 million adults in the United States or roughly about 0.5% of all adults. As you know, it changes with age, it changes, it's more more common in women, etc. But these were numbers as, as late as 2014, uh, somewhat of a change, and I think somewhat of a decrease as far as the overall prevalence numbers. Um, pruritus is a common accompaniment to psoriasis. It affects about 80% of patients. Uh, and in a particular study that was published, uh, they looked at a meta-analysis of, of over 13 trials, and they tried to look at the drugs that had an impact on pruritus as an outcome. And uh, surprisingly to me, all the only ones that actually did uh, affect pruritus were IL-17 inhibitors, the JAK inhibitors, adalumumab, and aprimolast. Um, it wasn't shown for the other TNF inhibitors on the market or other, other ones, including we're as used to kinemab in this in, in this story. I would imagine it must, but anyway, this this particular study said no. It's the IL-17 inhibitors, which are more dominant therapies in the dermatology and psoriasis world. Um, despite the need to do TB testing with IL-17 inhibitors, it's required. It's in the label. Uh, it, it should be noted a recent report sh uh, showed that um, biologically, in vitro studies suggest that IL-17 is not important in granuloma formation and maintenance, and therefore in animal models, or not animal models, in vitro models, uh, there is no reactivation of TB with use of IL-17 inhibition. And that's backed up by the clinical data. Since the, uh, these drugs have been in clinical trials and been studied in multiple, multiple IL-17 inhibitors, in the one-year results in randomized controlled trials, they did not show any new cases of TB or reactivation of TB in patients going into those trials. So even though you got to do the test, it's like other drugs, other situations where you have to do the test, but really there is no risk with abatacept, rituximab, anakinra, um, a number of other drugs. So let me just check my battery here. There we go. Yeah, we're human here. So um, 153 RA patients, 23% had anemia. The only drugs that are shown to significantly affect anemia was tocilizumab, not tofacitinib, not uh, uh, DMARDs, not other non-TNF biologics. Uh, there's four interesting reports and news articles on the website this week, including um, new recommendations on, on ultrasound use from ULAR, but also new recommendations on biosimilar use from John Kay and a number of, co of colleagues uh, throughout the world who are sort of expert in this area. They developed a task force. They looked at this. They came up with um, 13 overarching principles and recommendation. Uh, of those 13, 10 of them were grade D evidence, meaning that they were expert opinion. So that's one of the problems of guidelines where we are when you're not ready to really write good guidelines. But nonetheless, they are helpful and are instructive. And the other three do have evidence to back them up. And they include that in situations where they should be used, biosimilars should be used just as the bio-originator should be. Same indication, same use. Um, as there is no good evidence of immunogenicity with uh, that all, that's different between these drugs, there's no indication and need for anti-drug antibodies to be drawn with bio, biosimilars. And then in situations where there have been single switch studies uh, going from the originator to a biosimilar, 
there's been no downside. Now, that's interchangeability. And there are new guidelines on interchangeability, and no drug currently has an indication for interchangeability, but the existing evidence suggests that that can happen. There's no reason to suggest that changing from one bio-originator to biosimilar to another biosimilar back to bio-originator should produce any issues. But again, the FDA has new guidelines. The EMA has guidelines on that as well. There is a report about rheumatoid arthritis augmenting cardiovascular risk. Uh, a study from 13 centers, uh, 5,600 plus patients followed for over nearly six years, showed that cardiovascular events, and these are people who are not at risk, RA patients with no history of cardiovascular disease, um, that 21% of males and 11% of females developed a cardiovascular event. It includes things like angina and MI, et cetera, um, and, uh, include, and some cardiac deaths. Uh, and that when they looked at the risk factors for these cardiovascular events, um, as you would expect, traditional cardiovascular risk factors, hypertension, smoking, hyperlipidemia were major risk factors but, and accounted for about 70% of these events. However, the remaining 30% could be accounted for by rheumatoid arthritis itself. And at the risk imposed by rheumatoid arthritis, about equal to that imposed by hyperlipidemia. Um, breaking Bad and Fentanyl. Uh, you should look at this article. Uh, it's quite shocking. Um, as you know, that you know, in a five-year period, opioid-related deaths inc- doubled in, in Ohio. Um, and, uh, the, and, and early on, it was a lot of heroin use that was contributing to this as we were getting more restrictive with the use of drugs like hydrocodone, oxycontin, uh, even tramadol. Uh, so there's a lot of unexpected heroin used out there. More recently, it's fentanyl. And not only just fentanyl, but analogs of fentanyl that are, you know, adulterated fentanyl that leading to uh, compounds that are hard to detect uh, in laboratory assays. Nonetheless, in 2017 alone, the numbers are a bit shocking. Uh, 90% of all of the unintentional, unintentional overdose deaths in Ohio were due to fentanyl or fentanyl analogs. Um, this is a major problem. Uh, and lastly, do rheumatologists uh, use ACR and ULAR criteria? We asked four questions of, of almost 300 uh, U.S. and, and uh, uh, non-U.S. rheumatologists, and they all pretty much behave the same. Shockingly, when asked how you diagnosed RA, 52% said that they use ACR ULAR criteria, the new ACR ULAR criteria to make the diagnosis, and the others use clinical parameters. However, when asked how they put them to use, they, number one, didn't actually know that the number of points you get for either a high titer rheumatoid factor or high titer CCP was three points, only 30% got that right. And it was the same in the U.S. as opposed to non-U.S. Moreover, when we asked how you define remission and do you rely at all on ACR ULAR criteria for remission, less than, less than 8% um, did. Everybody use, you know, whatever their own clinical acumen was. I know it when I see it, no swollen joints, that sort of thing. Um, so they actually, 40% were clinical parameters, no swollen joints, no tendon joints. 45% were for, in favor of a, of a metric defined remission, like a rapid less than three, etc. And then lastly, um, the number that actually used treatment guidelines, the ICR, ULAR treatment guidelines published in 2015 from um, a number of our, our colleagues Uh, less than 24% rely on those in making treatment decisions. So there is this discordance out there about how important these are and and doesn't seem like they have a lot of traction. And I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing because, in fact, most rheumatologists are doing pretty well in how they manage these patients. I want to close with a... um, 
an announcement about Dr. Hugo Jason, one of my mentors, one of the first faculty members I had at UT Southwestern who recently passed on on August 24th of 2017. Uh, Hugo um, has a he was one of the triple threats in medicine, one of those guys that taught, saw patients, um, did research, and ultimately ran a division, was an administrator as well, had a lifelong career in academic medicine and, and rheumatology, and was one of the giants, did a lot of work in B cells and rheumatoid factor, um, and was highly respected throughout the rheumatology world. Um, his loss is a great one. He's had a, a, a lot of people like me who he mentored. He was, my first week in Parkland's rheumatology clinic, Hugo Jason told me, uh, we don't prescribe these new drugs. Uh, we let other people, and then the drug in name was, was Paroxicam, Feldine, it just come out, it was being pushed by uh, the manufacturer. Well, we don't use brand new drugs here. We let other people use new drugs and we learn from them. Um, he also taught me to be cautious about the use of methotrexate back in 1984. And, um, and you know, conservatism has its place especially for trainees in training programs. Thank God for people like Hugo Jason. May he rest in peace. That's it for this week in roomnow.com. Go to the website, look at uh, our, our, our citations and read more if you like. Um, be sure to follow us at ACR 2017 in San Diego. We've got a lot of stuff coming your way. That's it for this week. Goodbye.